This is Right at the Fork. This is Portland's Food Scene Podcast, and I'm Chris Angeles. Happy to be here and happy that you're listening. And if you're happy you're listening, we certainly appreciate shares and ratings. So if you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or any source, please feel free to share and rate. And as a matter of fact, if you're a prolific sharer, we'll track you down and uh, maybe we'll be sending you a gift certificate or two to some great places to eat. So uh, aside from those podcast sources, you can now find us at discoverportland.net and also really happy to be on portlandfoodanddrink.com where Food Dude does his thing. And if you, uh, if you go to their website and look for topics, you'll find Right at the Fork podcast. So thanks for listening. Today on the podcast, we're going to be going slightly mobile to Amelia Pape. Actually, she's here in the studio, but uh, her business, My Street Grocery, is mobile. And what they do is go to different neighborhoods. It's part of Whole Foods. And um, they not only give people the option to shop healthfully and, uh, and look forward to something every week, but they're also doing a lot of education on how to eat that well and teach families how to eat it's really a fascinating story that uh, from someone who moved to Portland years ago and went to PSU and developed this business, and um, I think you'll want to hear what they're doing. It's really a nice Portland uh, uh, business that is something you should follow and take a look at, and you'll hear Amelia talk about why. So I'm just going to – I think it's – great what you're doing. We're going to talk about it. I uh, came from to Portland from Connecticut, where we basically had one grocery store, Stop and Shop. And my memories are of going to the grocery store and always coming back with the wrong thing and being, those are some of my worst marital moments. So <laughs> the choices were very limited. Uh, there was nothing fun, nothing exciting, maybe a hot sauce now and then. Then I moved out here to Portland and just could not believe it's uh, the amount, the different places I could go to shop, the incredible grocery store options. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, and within two miles of the house or three or four, lots of options. And now we have one more. Um, and it travels. It could, be, it could be right outside one's door. Mm-hmm. So um, where, did you grow up around here? Do you, do you appreciate the... Uh, the, the choices as much as someone like I do who came from the East Coast? I came from the East Coast as well. I actually grew up in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. I had some friends who went to Franklin and Marshall. Oh, yeah. Okay. used to visit there in my high school year and senior year. I, those were my first experiences hanging out with college people in nice. Lancaster. Yeah. People either know Lancaster or they have no idea what I'm talking about. There's not a lot of in-between, like, I've heard of it type thing. Um, so... I uh, I moved to Portland because I wanted to be in a in Portland. Mm-hmm. It was a very deliberate choice. And, and how long ago was that? Uh, almost eight years ago. Okay. And what did you what did you read or see or know that made you jump out here? Um, honestly, my dad traveled here a lot for work, and he for about ten years before I ever made it here was constantly telling me how much I would just love Portland, how it would just suit me so well, and um, 
you know, all of the wonderful food options and um, just the culture uh, was so great. And so I actually listened to him, which I think um, mm, I'm sure he's happy about it now. But I think at the time he was like, dang, she actually moved there. It was funny because my parents said the same thing after they visited Portland, probably around 2000. And I didn't pay much attention to them. And then when I saw it, then I saw it, then I remembered they said it. Mm-hmm. So uh, so indirectly, I guess I listened, but I would never give them credit for that, of course. <laughs> I'll give my dad credit. He just had a birthday a couple of days ago. So. Oh, good. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday, Dad. You get credit. So what did he do? What What did he do to be traveling out here? What, what was his line of work? He works for a company called Armstrong, and he um, he's a scientist. He does all kinds of things that I don't quite understand. Um, he was just awarded his third patent yesterday. Oh, so. nice. Uh, he's he's pretty amazing, but he uh, travels a, around the world for them and visits different um, manufacturing plants. Did so you get to travel a lot with him when you were younger? Were you a well, uh, well-traveled young Lancaster lass? I was well-traveled, but not um, because of my dad's work. I mean, he would go to, like, St. Helens, Oregon is, is pretty cool, but also places that were not really, like, a travel destination. Um mm-hmm. But my family, um, and in particular my grandparents, were very, um, very into traveling and wanted to really open me up to that. So um, they took me on my first trip away from my parents when I was about four to Washington, D.C., and then they took me on my first trip out of the country to Paris and London when I was about 12. And um, when I graduated from college, they took me to Russia, and I've done a lot of traveling on my own since then. So um, Fantastic. Yeah. Russia in the old days, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, right. I so guess where'd you go to college? Days. I went to American University in Washington, ah, D.C. I spent a little time there, too. My oh. brother was there for a couple of years. That was crazy, my exposure to that. But it all depends on who you know and where you're staying. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great school. It was. It was a great experience. Um, I really got to to do things that I don't think I could have done in any other place. Like I was an intern on Capitol Hill for a congresswoman. Um I had professors who, being a professor was kind of their side job, but they were chiefs of staff for um, senators or, you know, just like these movers and shakers in the city. And my time in Washington, D.C. was really pretty intense because I arrived in August of 2001. So I was there for about three weeks until September 11th, Mm -hmm. um, which definitely uh, shook things up a bit, and um, to say the least. And then, were you the, feeling kind of patriotic back then? And I was curious after spending time in Washington D.C., what your attitude is towards politics and government and all that. What it might have been then, and how it how it might have evolved. Um, it, <clears throat> in Washington D.C., you don't really have conversations about politics. You just, or it, I guess I it. should rephrase. It's like. <clears throat> If you're in D.C., you just argue about politics all the time. And it's, no one's really offended. It's just sort of the way that people discuss things. It's, it's very intense, and it comes up pretty much in any conversation. And um, after I left there, it took me a little time to wean myself off of it and um, to be enjoyable <laughs> to be around again. Uh, but oh, You I think, think I, you weren't enjoyable? You, weren't a, you well, weren't a fun person because of... Because politics had permeated your soul? I just think that people, uh, you know, if you don't want to talk about politics, you don't want to be around somebody who wants to talk about politics. And in D.C., everyone talks about it. It's just a part of your life. And so if I left there and went into, um, you know, a conversation outside of that and it started to bleed in, it was like, oh, here comes, you know, 
Washington, D.C. It's again. funny that you're mentioning this today. I just spoke to a dear friend of mine I grew up with who has lived in D.C. and for years, and I just spoke to her yesterday. We hadn't ta- spoken in a few years. Was she yelling at you about politics? No, not really. <laughs> I mean, I know we're pretty much on the same page, but what she said was interesting because I told her, you know, I'm out in Oregon. It's a little more laid back. And she's, she said, well, you know how everything is. It's always so pressure. Neighbors are, you know, what, just what you're saying. Mm-hmm. There's always there's always these dialogues and, and uh, deadlines and life oh, yeah. is just a pressure cooker. And I kind of said, well, doesn't have to be. <laughs> exactly. You, you know, I, that's why we're out west. That's why we're here. Absolutely. <laughs> So is that what was that one of the appeals for you to get back to what brought you to Portland um, the after being in D.C.? Um, it was a little more laid back here. Yeah, I mean, I I moved here without really ever having been here. I visited once actually for a few days um, mm-hmm. and then I just moved here. So I kind of was going on a whim. But I I wanted to be in a place that I chose that that felt like it would suit me. And I chose American University. I didn't necessarily choose D.C. I mean, I loved my time there and I I really have a lot of nostalgic, great memories about it now. But um, I wanted to leave Lancaster when I was a kid, like everyone wants to leave their hometown. And then I went to D.C. and that was really intense. And then um, when I learned about Portland, it just seemed like something that um, that a place that I could really be who I am and be comfortable in that. And it turned out excuse me, it turned out that that was true. And that's what kept me here. That's why I'm still here. It's just, it's the right pace of life for me. It's, um, it's the right culture. It's the right blend of um, activities and city and country and nature. And it's really everything that I, that I love. Was it, were, is it those things or career opportunity? Did you have what you're doing now in mind when you came out here? Oh no, I had, I was like 22. I was right out of I had graduated from college and I lived in Kentucky for a year after that, which is where my mom lives. And I was waiting tables at restaurants and studying for the You're LSAT. You're the second person who said that, who said they were waiting tables in Kentucky that oh, I yeah? can recall on the, on the podcast. Well, there's a good restaurant scene in Kentucky. Um, the bars are open until four, so it's... Louisville, Frankfurt? In Louisville, yeah. Did I pronounce it wrong? Uh, you did a good job. Yeah, it's Louisville. It's Louisville. Right. <laughs> Court, you're spent some... T- yeah, you'll... True. He's waiting to chime in over there. What's true? Oh, the bar scene, four in the morning? No, the fact that it's pronounced Louisville. Oh, okay. I, I, can't, I can't say it right either. My my wife's family's from Kentucky. It's they're Like, it's Louisville. Okay. Right? You, you can't get away right with it. That's right, Louisville. Yeah. You kind of just remove, it's like the the L, and then you just kind of mush the rest of it together. Like well, Louisville. same thing with Missouri. It's the same. Right. It's, over there, they just want, they're too lazy. They can't get through the word. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so when you got to Portland, what what did you have sights on doing? Um, I, well, I I guess I made the excuse that sounded good of um, I was going to go to law school. So I, I took the LSAT and I applied to the University of Oregon and I was accepted. Um, in my mind, coming from across the country, Eugene and Portland are really close together. So I would just move to Portland and then I'd just like pop over to Eugene and go mm-hmm. to school. Um, and so I came to Portland in January uh, with the plan that I would start law school in August. And I got through orientation and that was about it. And I decided that um, I wanted to stay in Portland and 
that I was, I think I was trying to go to, to trying to do something um, respectable and law school seemed like a good idea, but I didn't really want to be a lawyer, which probably should have been my first. Yeah, you wanted to do something respectable. I wanted to do, (laughs) there you go. Sorry, I had to do that. I set you up for that one. Um, I wanted to do something, really I wanted to practice public interest law. I wanted to support and serve communities that didn't have a voice. And um, I didn't know it at the time, but I have now learned that I, I can do that in many different career paths. So um, I decided to not go to law school and to stay in Portland, and I'm very happy that I did. And so what did you, when you stayed in Portland, what was your next move? Um, my next big move was a few years later, I applied to actually to business school at Portland State, and um, I did go there, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I graduated. And that was really a big, um, a pretty important life-changing period for me because when I lived in Portland um, for about two years before grad school, I didn't know that many people. I had a job at a startup with the two founders and me, so it's not like I had a big office to meet people in. And um, and then I went to business school, and I all of a sudden had this wonderful community. I had um, my class. Um, I was very close with my classmates. I still am. Um, and my professors and the school itself has been a big supporter f- for me, just a big help and a big um, kind of family in a way to this day. I graduated in 2011. So it really showed me what Portland can be. And it gave me uh, a place here and it introduced me to the business community and um, to the startup community in particular, which is a really fun place to be. That's an, that, I think that's a great experience mm-hmm. that. You know, my son went to PSU, but he wasn't involved in that. But to see Portland through the university's eyes, which Mm -hmm. is just, it's a large university. And there are a lot of people who see it through the eyes of PSU or who who get to go through that and filter the Portland experience through that. And you, so you developed this project, the My Street Grocery there. I did. And and the program, the um, incubator, what's it called? The social in- innovation incubator. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the Shark Tank of education, <laughs> is it? Is it not? Um, it's the very friendly Shark Tank. Yeah, it's well, like every all the sharks are friends. Well, it's Portland too, <clears throat> so you couldn't you couldn't have the real Shark Tank here. That yeah. wouldn't happen. Yeah, um, the social innovation incubator is a program of impact entrepreneurs, which um, is this amazing organization that's founded in the School of Business, but that does work globally. Um, to support social entrepreneurs, so entrepreneurs that are using business to address social problems. And so the incubator program is one of the things that they do, and it's essentially a place for um, entrepreneurs who are in this startup phase that want to start a social enterprise. They can go and, um, depending on which phase they're in, they can go into a different program and then their support um to help people grow into their business. Did you have the idea for My Street Grocery when you started this? Did it come out of that experience or meeting people, not, not networking with other people? Um, I My very first class in grad school was a class called Pioneering Innovation, and um, the class requirement was to address uh, an existing market failure. And so my mind immediately went to food and I started just kind of doing research. I didn't really have an obvious goal in mind. And I learned about urban food deserts, which really became my focus, um, kind of my 
my specialization throughout grad school um, unofficially because you can't, they didn't have a track for urban food access. <laughs> so I made that up. Um, but that's when, that, that class was when I designed this mobile grocery concept with a group of classmates. And um, it was just a class project at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was also a research assistant uh, to this professor. What year was that, 2009, Nine, 2009, yeah. So the professor who taught the class was technically my my boss. I was a research assistant to her, and she was really encouraging about the the project and just kept saying to me, you know, you you should really keep exploring this. This is a great concept. And um, I give her a lot of credit for pushing me through that first phase of just like, I'm a first-year grad student. I don't have time to think about this. I don't want to start a business. That's crazy. Um, and she was really encouraging. And so I um, I carried it on into a few different classes and then went to a business plan competition. And, and then I joined the incubator with the concept and the business plan written. And they helped me kind of bring that from academic, sort of through the academic lens into the, the actual real world lens. But we're going to take a quick break here to take care of business. We'll be right back. This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Yelp, a website and mobile app that connects people with great local businesses. For business owners, Yelp offers Yelp Seat Me, a powerful front-of-the-house management system for restaurants of all shapes and sizes, big or small, fancy or casual. Yelp Seat Me is accessible from any web-enabled device and comes complete with everything you need to run your business, all for just $99 a month. No setup fees, no cover fees, and no minimum contract. Start your free trial today at seatme.yelp.com. That's S-E-A-T-M-E dot Y-E-L-P dot com. And now back to the show. So let's, I think we need to establish uh, for anybody listening exactly what My Street Grocery is because we've <laughs> kind of been leading up to it. So why don't you do the little beyond the long elevator speech on what My Street Grocery is and then I want to talk a little bit about how you got to where it is. So, Because sure. it was something different, I'm sure, and it has evolved over time. Sure. So My Street Grocery is a mobile grocery store, and it's a social enterprise in that it exists to serve um, communities or populations who have barriers to fresh food access. Um, the entire program is designed around being a place where people can come and be who they are and um whatever part of their journey they're on through food, we want to be a support system for that. So um, we bring food into places where perhaps there aren't good food options, but we also work with different organizations and populations to support them on other access points like education around how to cook at home and how to choose different fresh foods that are appropriate to their needs and how to shop for perishable foods on a budget um, and just to kind of be a, an inclusive, non-judgmental place where you can come and, um, you know, have your questions answered and, and just be a part of this food community. So it's not so much a, a retail operation as it is an educational tool. Um, I, yeah, that, I mean, hmm, let's see. That's an interesting Well, I'm just curious. It. Do you wake up? And, I, and we're going to talk a little bit about how you decide where to go because mm-hmm. it's mobile. But you're not necessarily waking up and saying, where's the best oper- business opportunity? You've got, you know, you're part of Whole Foods, too. I'm sure they have that, that interest. But is, it, is your interest really where can we go help the most people? And as a byproduct of that, we're going to be able to turn this thing on tomorrow and go somewhere else. 
Yeah, I think that that's really the right way to say it. it, it the mission is first. So um, we choose where we want to go based on how we can meet the need. And also it's a business. It's not a charity. And that's sort of the, the beauty and the conundrum of a social enterprise is that you have to think like a business person and you kind of have to have the heart for the mission. So we do need to be able to support our business and be financially sustainable, but um, not at the expense of the reason that we started in the first place. And do you think, it's interesting that you say that, because right now we're at this point politically in this country where corporations can be kind of the bad guy. Mm-hmm. I would imagine a lot of them, and I'm not saying, I'm not pointing yours, but I imagine a lot of them started out with a social purpose or at least a social con- conscience. And then things get out of hand and then you've got stockholders. So um, do you, because of the nature of what you do and your personality, of course, do you see being able to hold on to that over the long term? Um, Whole Foods is a wonderful place. Um, However, they, you know, they're a profit, profitable business. We all know that. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you see that? how, How do you keep your your eye on that? And do you ever get to the point where you say, no, we can't do that because we need to do this. This is more important. The reason that I joined Whole Foods was because of their mission alignment with My Street Grocery. And um, that was the then essential part of the deal is that we get to protect this mission and keep it authentic. It's never going to be. Um, well, you know, we could really just sell wine and specialty cheeses in these high-end neighborhoods and do really well. Um, that might be fun as a different project, but that's not why My Street Grocery is here. And um, Whole Foods Market has been really respectful of that, so much so that we're running it as a break-even uh, independent business unit. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have the same profit requirements as any of our stores. We're running it as um, a mission-driven program of the Pacific Northwest region. So um, part of the reason that I... Uh, are, you, are you a pilot program? Is this something they're looking at another... I would imagine if it works well here, it'll work well elsewhere. We are definitely calling it a pilot in that we want to grow it throughout this region. And Whole Foods is very... Um, there are 12 regions in Whole Foods Market, and each region is, is very autonomous. It's almost like its own small company. So I'm a, a regional team member, and... Our purview is Oregon, Washington, and um, British Columbia. That's our region. So our goal is to pilot the program here in Portland where we already have My Street Grocery kind of already has its customer base. And then we'd like to grow it throughout the region. And if other regions want to pick it up from there, um, we would love that, of course. And I'd love to be able to share what we've learned so we can grow the service and just, um, you know, there's need everywhere and we'd like to be able to support that. Would that be something that would be franchised or you just hand them out of goodwill, the concept and say, okay, go with it. Well, it's all the same company, right? So we wouldn't necessarily franchise it. I mean, uh, there's no there's no real plan for that, but it would be, um, we'd all be working toward the same goal. So just to be clear, I have a few questions. You're, you're an employee of Whole Foods now. You've taken the yeah, idea, yeah. you sold it to them. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you sold it or they bought it from you. <laughs> one of some they went one way or the other. And uh, so now so now you're you get a paycheck from Whole Foods. It's yeah. not it's not a freelance gig. No, it's not a freelance gig. I um they acquired me too. <laughs> okay. 
which was a great thing for me because it allowed me to to be that sort of to, to protect the mission in, in this early stage and make sure that it's um, going the way that it, it's intended to go, at least in my mind. That, and That's awesome. You must feel so good about the fact that you developed this and now it's become not only something big that you can, bigger that you can keep some control over for the right reasons, uh, but you're helping people. You've got to, it's got to feel really good. There aren't a lot of people that get to wake up every morning and feel really good about what they've done. It does feel really good. And I think that it's an important reminder that that it is a great opportunity. And there are, of course, there are days that I wake up and I'm like, oh, God, work is just, I don't know what to do. And I'm stressed and, you know, everybody wakes up like that. But um, I, I got to essentially write my own job description mm-hmm. and make up a title and create this program and I have now the support and resources to do it. So that's pretty amazing and I'm really grateful for that. So describe the only time I've seen the what do you call it, a mobile grocery store? Mm-hmm. What do you is, that's what the only time I've it. seen it was I happened to be it was a few weeks ago. I was went to breakfast at Broder and then some parade came running down the street <laughs> and uh, there it was and I was taking pictures and video and then the next thing I you know I saw the rear end of the truck going I was by. Driving it. You were driving. I'm me. sorry, I missed it. I would have <laughs> would have been nice, but there were a lot freakier people that were more. You know, I didn't see you driving the truck, but kind of a crazy photo op that that parade. Mm-hmm. Um, so describe what the what it looks like, and where can people find it online if they wanted to see it right now? What's the URL where they'd be able to see the truck and. You can find our so a few pictures and our schedule on wholefoodsmarket.com backslash mystreetgrocery. Um, we also have social media, which we update pretty frequently with kind of where we are and what specials are going on. And there's lots of pictures on Facebook. So um, just Facebook backslash mystreetgrocery. We're on Twitter, mystreetgrocery. <laughs> Actually, Instagram is mystreetgrocerypdx. Um, so slightly different, but you can find us on all those things and there's plenty of pictures to see. Um, so the, you're going to have to think about that as you expand. If you've got everything set as my street grocery, what happens in Chicago? Well, that's kind of, we started this, the my street grocery PDX Instagram. We're thinking, right. okay, that's so we go to new step. cities, we can add the, the next city acronym or, or whatever city nickname. So <laughs> can someone do, um, can someone do a, a shop for enough groceries for a few days and get everything they need right there? Is that the idea? That's the idea. Um, a lot of, there are now a lot of mobile grocery programs around. When I was first designing this, there really weren't. But the thing that kept popping up to me was people were trying to do mobile produce stands. And produce is so important in in a food access type of situation, but it doesn't necessarily drive people out of their homes. So if we want to really provide comprehensive access, we felt like we needed it to be a full grocery shopping experience. And um, we don't carry any junk. We don't have any, obviously, any alcohol or cigarettes, but also no processed foods or um, things that are really what you would find in a typical convenience store. Um, But we do have... You know, we even have a frozen section with fruits and veggies and um, frozen meats and some plant-based alternatives. And then we have dairy, cheese, eggs, milk, uh, yogurt. Um, we have fresh meats and a pretty full grocery section, which includes, um, of course, you'll find soups and canned goods and things. But we have um, 
flour and oils and vinegars and spices. And um, we do have some grab-and-go options and some drinks and things, but we wanted to make it a place where people could actually grocery shop because if there's really a need, if people really can't get to the store and they really need um, an access point, we want to be that. And so maybe you, you're going to run out of your house because you need a dozen eggs. And if you come to us, then you're going to pay a better price for it than you would at a convenience store. And you can also get some really great, fresh, high-quality foods. So when someone has the experience and then says, I want to do this again, are you necessarily going back to the same neighborhoods? And how do they know about that? We operate on a route system, so we're in the same place on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. um, In some cases, it's uh, more than once a week. We have one location where we go twice a week. And it's really dependent on the needs of the community. So we can stay anywhere from an hour once a week to four hours twice a week to a full day once a week. It's really based on um, what that community looks like and and how we can support them. But uh, we want it to be regular so people can count on the fact that it's Wednesday and I know that the grocery trolley is going to be here. Where is on a Wednesday since this podcast will start streaming on a Wednesday. Where are you on Wednesday? <laughs> on Wednesdays from 10 to 1, we are in the Richmond community, which is why we were in that parade that you saw mm-hmm. um, in partnership with OHSU. We go to the Richmond Clinic there on 39th and Division, and we partner with them. I ended up with a magnet that I had to figure out what to do there with. There you go. There, so. Great. And then on Wednesday afternoons from 2 to 5, we're in North Portland on North Williams and Graham. Wow. So every day, a couple of locations? Um, we currently operate four days a week, and on some days it's one location that are a little bit longer, and on some days there are two. And the intention is to expand that to be all week, multiple locations. Do you have people coming to you and saying, we'd love to have you in our neighborhood, and how do you make that decision? We do get a lot of requests, and what we try to do is, again, we sort of think about, is this serving the intended purpose of the business? And um but then we just ask questions of the community. So last night we held a community listening session uh, because we got a lot of requests for a specific neighborhood. And so we invited them all to come in and had some snacks and basically just talked and asked them, what does food access look like in your community? If we came to visit you, what day of the week would be appropriate? What's the frequency? What types of foods do you want to see? So we really try to make it um an, a listening type of situation, not a not a telling or a coming in without right. already having a relationship. But you have finite days. You do four days a week. You, have, you can't expand too much till you get another one, right? So well, we just want to make sure that we're doing it right before we go a little before we go nuts and are just like operating so much that we don't have time to to think and see what we can improve upon. So this is we're only eight weeks in to this program. So we wanted to start with a few locations in partnership with some organizations that um, actually a few had been my partners before I joined Whole Foods. So we already had great relationships and some existing customers and really get that going and have a chance to learn and to improve and to figure out how we can really make this the best version of the, the model. And then we can expand um, the, the current trolley can support more days. We just we just want to grow, you know, kind of responsibly. How do you decide what's on your shelves? How's that, what's that process like? Is it in conjunction with Whole Foods or you know your thing and you're going to do do what you're doing? You've only been doing it eight weeks. You have a lot of learning in front of you too. Sure. Um, 
Whole Foods Market is obviously an expert in grocery, which I wasn't when I started my business. I started mm-hmm. a grocery business and I didn't really know anything about grocery, but um, ironically. And of course, I've learned a lot in, in a few years, but um, I worked a lot with them to learn about what types of products were really good movers within certain populations that we were planning on trying to serve. And again, it's a question of to customers. So um, we did a lot of just customer feedback and surveys and things. And and from my experience prior to Whole Foods, I knew a lot about what people were asking for and what I was not able to carry before that people always wanted because I didn't have full refrigeration and freezers and everything in the, the OG My Street grocery days. So um, there, were, there was just a lot of um, kind of carryover feedback from before. And then it's a continuous work in progress. We... We keep on watching what people are buying and listening to what people are asking for. And of course, when someone says, "Can you please bring, um, like, donuts and beer?" we're not that. going yeah. to. Well, but. I'm curious as to how um, how you have people who want certain things, but there those are some people who should be eating different things. How do you actually identify that and how do you make that happen to try to lead them away from, you don't have it, but lead them away from donuts to say, here's an apple. And if you can get your kids eating apples, you're a little better off. And this is what we're, this is our mission here. How do you, how do you do that when someone's standing there with their kids or without their kids? How, how, how do you tactfully handle, handle that? Well, we try to never tell someone this is what you should be doing. Um, right, but there's a ta- that's why I said there's a right. tactful way to get them over to the to the produce. Yeah, pile. I mean, I think that part of it is that we just don't carry items that that we that maybe aren't the best choices for a happy, healthy life. Mm. So it's not there to tempt people. Um, but we do carry a lot of really amazingly delicious, beautiful foods and. The trolley is a really fun place to come see, especially for kids. They're always like, whoa, what is this place? This is so cool. So there's already kind of an excitement around it. And and if what we have are, you know, like fresh local strawberries, why don't you try one? They're so sweet. And they're on a trolley. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of a fun experience. Right. It's, not, we, it's not necessarily about deprivation or like what you're not allowed to have, but more like what we do have and how cool that is. Well, I find when I go to farmer's markets, my whole world opens up to the good foods. Mm-hmm. That When I even walk into a Whole Foods or a New Seasons or any grocery store, I may not, I may be steering myself. I should spend more time in the produce <laughs> aisle. But when I go to a farmer's market, that's what I'm going there for. And it's probably the same thing with the trolley. That's You have that mindset. And I would imagine that people can't wait for you to come back the next week um, so that they can replenish the supplies of the good stuff that they that they have purchased. We hope so. Yeah, I guess That's so. The goal. So, um, you're obvi- how do you, how did you decide which neighborhoods? That obviously, you, you said um, that they were those that have need, but did you have some in mind right off the bat before this came about? And uh, are those the neighborhoods where, that you're visiting right now? When I first started doing research um, before we actually launched the business. I worked with the Oregon Food Bank to learn a little bit about what each pantry in each neighborhood looks like, and they all operate very differently. And um, there are some places in the Portland metro area that are absolutely underserved, and Rockwood is is one of them. It's in the Gresham area, mm-hmm. 
and they they don't have a good full service grocery store and they have a lot of high priced convenience stores with really unhealthy options and that community is really asking for a solution um so that to me was an obvious one because it's not someone else saying hey you need to go save that neighborhood it's the people that live there saying we're not really being served like we're a neighborhood and we deserve the same options and resources as everyone else and so that's a place that has always been um, a, a great opportunity for us in my mind and we have worked there in different capacities and most recently we partnered with Multnomah County um, and went out to one of their health, community health centers in Rockwood and did a Friday market there and um, I'm actually working with the city of Gresham right now to to find a new location in that neighborhood. So that's more of a traditional, um, what a lot of people would consider food desert type mm-hmm. situation. But what we really try to do at My Street Grocery is, is think about holistic access. And I talked about it a little before with how we can um, meet the need in other ways beyond just bringing food in. Because if we bring food to a community where they're not used to it, it might not be accessible. So we partner with different um, clinics and social services agencies and housing providers. And sometimes those aren't in neighborhoods that you would expect us to be, but we're serving a population that's um, that's asking for support. So are you a foodie at heart? Or is this, this was this a business <laughs> thing? And you're in Portland and that permeates you over time. That gets into your psyche. But uh, are you a, do you consider yourself a food lover? Do you, you experience in the Portland food scene? I have been in a serious relationship with food for most of my life. I, I have a deep love and respect for food. <laughs> and and that, so is that one of the things that drove you out here? Because when your father came and told you, it wasn't as burgeoning a scene. It was just kind of starting then. It was still really exciting to come and go to like a co-op and see, you know, I mean, I, I came and was like, Pinot Noir and salmon, you know, Oregon, right? And of course, I still love those things, but... Um, yeah, food has always been a big driver in my general decision making. So um, going to the farmers market was a huge, amazing experience. Isn't and that incredible? Yeah, it's just it's still. And I then go all there the little pop up farmers markets mm-hmm. everywhere too. The That's, little neighborhood markets. Well, yeah. a lot of them that are part of Portland farmers market, but then there are other ones too. Yeah. It's great. Do you have some favorite farmers markets? Um, I really love the Lentz International Farmers Market. I actually used to live kind of close to it, and I still live in Southeast, although a little bit closer in now. But I love what they're doing out there. Um, it's a mission, obviously, close to my heart. But I just I, I love the feel of that market. It's smaller, and um, I love the the variety and the tamales there are really great. And uh, that's those, one of my favorites. The asparagus people that have those tamales, or somebody else. Because uh, they're at a lot of farmers markets and they're really good. The, they, they have a restaurant over in Selwood, and I don't recall the name of it, but the we'll, one, we'll put it up in the show notes. We'll yeah, find it. the ones at Lentz are—I I don't know that I see them in other markets, but they do aguas frescas and and tamales, and I just I love them. So nice. I like that market. So um, when pe- when your friends come in from out of town, from Lancaster, <laughs> or from anywhere, Louisville. where do you, where are you telling them to go? So I live. Right off of Division and in the 30s. Oh, there's nothing going on over so, there, so they have to... Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, I, I'm i really fortunate to live in a place where I can walk to 
the restaurants that people are reading about in national food magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are great. And um, Any in particular that you've been to recently that are worthy of national press? Um, one that I really that I really love that's pretty new is Pizza Maria on Division. That's a, that's right at the top of my list. As a matter of fact, I was even thinking of going tonight. Yeah, I love that place. Um, it's it's really well done, and honestly, I mean, I think it's some of the best crust in town. And I love a lot of the pizza places around here, but they're just doing it really well. And um, I can walk there, and the people are incredibly friendly and. Um, they also they usually have like some seasonal special pizza and it's just nice. it's awesome. I love that place. Thank you. You've wet my appetite <laughs> further. Have you been to American Local? I have. There? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I think they're they're doing it. It's a nice place to go with a lot of people because mm-hmm. you can all have. I went with a bunch of friends. Uh, a lot of different. Any other places? Yeah. Um, I actually got lucky and got in um, to Langban last weekend, mm-hmm. which was really one of the most fun dining experiences I've had. In did you quite sit a while. at the chef's counter? I did. Isn't that great? It was. Awesome. And they don't even they don't offer that right up front. And then I said, "Can we sit over there?" Yeah. And that's what made the experience. Yeah, fantastic. it was really wonderful. I mean, the food is phenomenal, and but really, it's the whole experience that's so much fun. Right. It's kind of like. And Earl is so humble. You never know. He, it, yeah. he just puts it down in front of you and explains it, and then the server explains it also, which is good because you're hearing it twice yeah. when there are a lot of ingredients that you're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. That's. Uh, yeah. That's a place everybody should go. And Padi is fantastic yeah. as well. Yeah. So if you can't get in there, because now that Longbond's got a little bit of press, mm-hmm. um, it's a little tougher to get into. But uh, if if you follow them, then they're usually saying we have availability. Yeah. Any great. others offhand? Any? Uh, do you do food carts? Because there are a lot in Southeast. Um, and that's a little similar. Not similar, but it's an outdoor mobile Maybe yeah, a lot mobile. of people wanted to put us in the food cart category. Right, I that's tried what to I figured. Steer them away from that. Um, and you probably go to some big events that all the food carts are attending because they're mo- some are mobile. Sometimes we we really try to choose events that are either in partnership with um, organizations that we work with or supporting a community that we work with. So we're not just like randomly going to all the big events, but um, but yeah, we do we do sometimes end up with the food carts. <laughs> Um, but honestly, my some of my favorite places are the little Asian places, kind of farther out in southeast along Eighty mm-hmm. Second. I love Foster. Bin, there uh, are a few. Yeah, there's this banh mi shop called Bin Min. Mm-hmm. It's on Powell, and it's, it's in the seventies, I think. Mm-hmm. And you can just get these little banh mi's for like two or three bucks, and they're awesome. And I love I love that as a fun little quick lunch, and then. Um, there's a Chinese restaurant called Shenzhen on 82nd. I think it's in Northeast actually. And you would, I mean, I would never have gone in there without being told by some friends whose food opinions I really trust that it's really great. It looks a little scary, but it's one of those places that everything on the walls is in Asian characters that you can't read. Mm -hmm. And my favorite dish on the menu, which I've never actually tried, is called the melon fries, the beef. And I just think... What That's, was that again? The melon the fries. The melon fries, the beef. The beef. The melon fries, it's the like, beef. Yeah, it's like a, it's a declaration. <laughs> I've never eaten it, but it sounds interesting. But their food is really, really fun and great. And um, and then I like Frank's Noodle House, which is, uh, I think a lot of people know about that place, but mm-hmm. can't beat those hand-pulled noodles. Spicy. Beautiful. Yeah. So, um, 
this is it's an exciting project. I think we're, it's going to be great to kind of follow it. And I'm going to look to, and I hope that people listening look to see where you are so they can experience it because you're not necessarily coming to everyone's neighborhood. Yeah, uh, that would be great. I, I think it's important to mention that every market that we operate is open to the public and we would love um, – anybody to come and shop it's not just for a certain type of person it's for everyone right i would imagine you you know it's not all the same demographic every time you go somewhere you right. have to, and then you have the people who happen to be driving by and say what's that mm-hmm. so you get it uh so what what's ex, what's going to be ex, an exciting new product that you have on the trolley this week that people might find um, we're actually really excited to be able to carry some interesting plant-based alternatives um which are great for people who are trying to include plants in their diet but maybe want some stepping stones. So we carry some Beyond Meat crumbles that, that are just like ground beef in pasta or tacos that are really awesome. We have a killer price on them. Um, and we also have a Whole Foods Market exclusive product called Ninja Squirrel Sriracha, which is um, Ninja Squirrel, pretty Ninja awesome. Squirrel Sriracha, which is hard to say, by yeah. the way, the beef. Right, ninja so we, squirrels. <laughs> yeah, the ninjas, the squirrel ninjas, the beef. Yeah, I don't know yeah, how to I don't say know. that. I but just think there's we, something there. We ought to just put the beef after everything. <laughs> or we, so you're new. We're we're happy to follow you. We're new too. Have you listened <laughs> to any podcasts in the past? I, you know, I have. I have listened to a few, but I have a team member who's actually running the trolley right now. Her name's Amy, and she's a huge fan of your show. So Yay. when she found out that we were going to be on, she was very excited. So. Hey Amy, thanks for running the trolley and being. And thanks, Amy. Yeah, too. appreciate it. We need we need lots of Amys. So yeah, uh, She'll sh- spread the word. Share with all the Amys in the world <laughs> out there.